alive. Hey, Marseille. <laughs> Who's the race to see who says it first? I know. It's always like, okay, are you going to say hi to me or am I going to say <laughs> hi to you? Oh, why not both? What's up, why John? Not? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am doing great. Uh, and speaking of doing great, hello, all of our amazing pop culture theologian fans and listeners out there. We're so excited you're back uh, with us for another episode, Marcy's favorite episode, more on that later, of Westworld. Uh, a little bit of who we are because we have some new listeners as well. Um, we are two academics who break down and worship at the altar of pop culture, um, who just discuss everything from all of our favorite shows that we love to um, really what themes we find in them and everything else that Marcy and I are just filling our time with right now because it's literally all we can do. Well, I mean, and I have to say this for my HR, I could work. <laughs> uh, you could. Yeah, no, <laughs> seriously. What else are we supposed to do? Um, <laughs> I'm going to start writing like random letters to people at this point. Um, so true. Well, make sure you're following us on Twitter at pop theologians. Many of you do, but if you haven't, um, please go like, um, and subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. If you can, it helps us with whatever those crazy metrics are that show you on the iTunes store. Um, you can follow me at J Erickson 85 on Twitter. Um, it's a basic little handle, but it's what I've got right now. And Marcy, where can we follow you? Hey everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at I am the men who can. Um, hit us up with your theories, your issues with the episodes, your excitement. Um, tell us what shows you want us to cover next. Um, just come talk to us. Uh, I live tweet usually. Um, I'm on the East Coast uh, uh, for now, and John is on the West Coast. So um, I live tweet uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern when the show um goes live so definitely come and talk to us evan rachel wood liked one of my tweets this week which was so great because i really definitely needed to swoon for a little bit and i i just blushed i had no idea what to do but um yeah come talk to us uh tell us what tell us what you're watching tell us what um, you're so. watching and tell us I what know. tell us what's getting you through these horrible crazy times little debbies little debbies <laughs> mm. mine is having a morning ritual with coffee oh you're so cute i literally wake up and turn my computer on and have like six hours of zoom calls um which is outrageous um so yeah um i i want a coffee ritual um i mean i do drink coffee all day i didn't realize how many coffee cups i go through in a day until i like very like embarrassingly collect my like 12 coffee cups before my husband gets home and like bring them downstairs so he doesn't figure out that I'm like literally the embodiment of like caffeine yeah yes it's so bad it's so bad but it's so good speaking of so bad but so good Marcy what the f happened this week Sean I I think you should tell me what the fuck happened this week because I heard that you had a really good week on Twitter. Uh, apparently, um, Saturday night just tweeted a little little ditty that said... A little snarky ditty. A little snarky ditty that said, stay home, little home emoji, just like 108,600,000 of you did in 2016. Uh and uh, as of today, uh, we're recording this April 7th, uh, it's got 293,000 likes, 52,000 retweets, and 1,400 conversations. A uh, little crazy. And uh, when I think about its impressions, because I'm really loving seeing all this stuff, it's currently uh, been seen on Twitter by 15.2 million people, and 2.7 million people actually engaged with it. So... Uh, Piper Paraboo engaged with it and I almost died. Piper Paraboo of Coyote Ugly fame, for those who do not know, an amazing film. Honestly, so ahead of its time. Brilliant, stunning, iconic. magnificent, iconic. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I do I do social media at my job. It's like half my job, my other half is social justice work. Uh, those are incredible numbers and it's always fun when you see a friend 
like randomly go viral. Um, and then I always get a sense, like after I'm very excited for them, because what else do we have to do right now? Um, then I get a sense of deep dread and worry for them because I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot of people engaging. Um, whereas I have like 200 followers and a couple of stalkers and that's it. And, um, and even then, I wish, like, I mean, like, it's been crazy. Like I got 2000 new followers as a result of it. That's amazing. That's, that's so good. And I haven't um, tweeted since, uh, like Sunday because like I added onto the tweet and like, on Saturday, on Saturday night, when I saw people starting to pick it up, I wanted to do a little good in the world, and people know that, or maybe that are just tuning into the show, don't know. Um, I work for you know uh, Planned Parenthood, and uh, here in California, we're in a, well anywhere we're an essential provider. But uh, I tweeted a little donation everywhere. link everywhere, and I tweeted <laughs> a little link saying, you know, you should support Planned Parenthood. That sparked some really horrific conversations that I have not looked at, but it did raise some money. So um, that's awesome. That's- that, that is so, so great. Um, uh, so two things. One, um, that is actually how you can harness the power of social media in a time where we are currently, so I, for folks who don't know, I work in philanthropy. Um, uh, philanthropy is expecting to shrink this year, um, which is complicated because it makes no sense. We are, as a sector, sitting on billions and billions and dollars of endowment money, um, and somehow we're going to shrink because of the economic downturn. So something as simple as a tweet, um, if it gets legs, you know, think about maybe re- like redirecting uh, any attention you get or a TikTok or anything. I know a lot of folks right now are on TikTok um, towards a good cause. Planned Parenthood is really important. Um, don't forget immigration services. Uh, ICE detention camps have not closed just because the coronavirus is going on. And then uh, another plug would be the Equal Justice Initiative, which works on mass incarceration in the US. Um, they are amazing. And then just a little side note, because I, I do specialize in racial equity and what's when not. Take John's, me to church, Marcy. Take me to church. I'm going to take you to church. I'm going to get on my little uh, soapbox. And I meant this. I would like to say what Marcy's about to say is something that that I completely meant and understand, and this and is I why know, we're in And this. I know that. it's This is actually taking some folks to church who, um, might who I know might not know this. I know my, like I have had this conversation with my dad all the time. He's devastated at the lack of voting numbers in the US. So I always try to remind him, the people that we're talking to are the Karens of the world and the little dipshits that came to Florida for spring break, not to the folks who experience severe voter oppression all over the country. We see you, we recognize the struggle. Um, it'll actually lead to one of our other what the fucks of the week. Um, but our frustration in general sense of like, what the fuck is wrong with you is <laughs> to the folks who were like, burn your bus, to the folks who were like, well, I can't vote for the greater or the worst of two evils or whatever. Like, you know who we're talking to, but I do always like to remind people that there are racial implications, racial oppressions, uh, systemic oppression in communities of color and low-income communities that prevent people from voting, which I think should take us to our second point, um, which I'm going to let you talk about what the fuck this is, John, because you're actually from Wisconsin. Yeah, so I'm from Wisconsin, and if you are following the news, you can see that the governor, Tony Evers, a Democrat, tried to call a special session, he did, um, of the state legislature, which is controlled by a bunch of rabid Republicans who gerrymandered the state to no ends, um, to make sure that people, you know, could do mail-in ballots and to extend the um, voting period so people didn't have to go decide to either do their civic duty and vote um, or put their health at risk. That was, uh, they gaveled in their session this past weekend. Within like five minutes, they gaveled it out. Um, he made an executive order, the state Supreme Court, which voters in Wisconsin vote on, which also was on the ballot today as we're recording. Um, so, you know, you have no one to blame but yourself sometimes because these are the people that we elect and we don't actually know who we're electing. Um, they said that his order was unconstitutional. And then the Supreme Court, along five to four lines, uh, said the same exact thing. Um, and so voter suppression is alive and well, and specifically in states that had a really long progressive democratic history, but have been taken over by rabid psychopaths. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I think um, one of the that's things my was, unfiltered version. That is your completely. Un, that is not your like uh, stump speech version. But um, I think as we are kind of and for folks who are new listening, the reason we do what the fucks of the week um, is because we actually don't see a separation between the art we create and the life that we live, and so we feel like the art that we kind of um, break down and stuff covers so much much of the anxiety and issues that are happening in real life. Um, and we see tons of crossover um, from our shows to what's happening um, in the political world. And uh, the political is personal and the personal is political, so we don't separate it. Um, we are also clearly uh, quite left. And so if that is not your style, um, fight. <laughs> uh, or stay and maybe stay like, and learn. grow with us um because you're on the wrong side of history um so uh one of the things that i think i'm trying to anticipate and kind of prepare for um and this connects to um what i would consider our flagship podcast we we've broken down the purge shows the purge movies is we are getting dangerously close to an actual dystopian situation where um our government could try to postpone elections, cancel elections, institute martial law, um, tamper with elections in a way that would um, significantly alter the United States as we know it. Um, I would say that this um, this Supreme Court decision with a Roberts-led court, which is a compromised court, uh, that is not my opinion, that is a fact. Um, Why, because it, there's a rapist on the Supreme Court? Several. Oh, technically, there's two. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I think, huh? And uh, oop. <laughs> so I think like we really need to be paying attention um, to what like it's very hard to focus during Rona, and um, we talked about this last week. We are all going through collective trauma, and collective trauma is not fun to go through together um, because none of us have the tools or past experience to function in this type of like massive crazy mother like of god disaster um but we can't lose focus on some of the bigger things in the sense of uh grand picture narrative so um i'm not diminishing the coronavirus i um my husband's a frontline frontline worker uh he's a medical uh professional i'm very concerned my friends and family i have tons of nurses and doctors in my in my circle but um to prevent something like this from ever happening we need to address our very broken democracy if the um supreme court is compromised if the supreme court is bowing down to whatever this type of conservative republican existence is i do not I don't consider it anything normal or democratic anymore, then we have very huge worries going forward um, because you, it's it's not as simple as saying like, we'll get through four years of Trump because everyone's like, what's the worst that can happen? Well, we hit a global pandemic and he's withholding PPE and funds from people who are desperately in need. And he and knew about it years ago. Right, that we bought years ago. Um, because apparently they belong to him and Marie Antoinette. I have no idea, but um, I'm rambling because it's so scary. I literally have no idea what to do with the combination of the coronavirus pandemic, which um, by no fault of anyone's own, it's just here, but we have definitely mismanaged it, combined with our democratic nation no longer functioning as a democratic nation. Um, and not knowing what to do with that and feeling very paralyzed because I watched them. I have seen my miserable enough times to know that I know how to rebel and I'm not doing it. And like, I feel paralyzed and I know a lot of our listeners do as well. And then the third component, which I want to address, which we did last week is the mental health part of this all. Like if my friends are all dying, losing jobs, <laughs> getting sick and struggling with significant mental health, like that is, that's really hard to carry. It's just really hard to carry. So, so love to everyone. Keep your eyes and ears open. There's a lot being thrown our way right now, some which we can't control and some which we need to bring down. So long-winded, but it's <laughs> That's a great anxious. Soapbox. 
I'm anxious. I'm very anxious. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin is a huge red flag that November is not going to be okay. Yeah. Huge but red flag. Guess what? We warned you. <laughs> All so of did us Purge Anarchy. You. So this is this is my reminder to my brother who listens to this podcast that you have my Purge Anarchy DVD and you should watch it because Purge hey, Anarchy literally <laughs> literally called this. Um, so to kind of like turn it around on our what the fucks before we jump into the um, the breakdown of the episode. So clearly we're still living in times of Rona. Um, I want to know like, and I asked you this a couple weeks ago, and you gave me the most boring answer. So have you eaten weirder shit, uh, drink, like drank more than usual? Like how, how are you holding up? So I, um, I did start drinking a little bit more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's like, I don't know where the time goes, but what I am doing is I am hosting a lot of virtual happy hours with friends to check in on them and doing that a little bit more than I normally would. I actually find myself not drinking a lot, but that's what I'm doing. Um, and I was going to try and start doing some amazing, like crazy Asian foods that like I always find in my supermarket, like all the amazing ramens to kind of make my own like little parasite, little bowl. Oh, I was supposed yeah. to share that recipe with folks. I'll share you it this were. week on um, I will share well it this week me, homegirl. And, um, and so I've been trying to think about that stuff, but I'm having a martini here and there. <laughs> um, I... And I don't think I would survive a zombie apocalypse because like I have bought like a lot of like stable, like shelf stable food um, because Brent and I made the decision, Brent's my husband, to stay in this house for four weeks because Florida's behind the curve on everyone, but we're about to hit the toughest time. And because he's obviously working with COVID patients, like that is, um, it's just best to keep us inside as much as possible. But then when he came home and saw <laughs> what I had what I thought we needed to survive a month, um, I must have honestly grown, like, I, <laughs> it's like I grew up with Willy Wonka. Everything I bought is full of sugar. Like, tons of Little Debbie, tons of shitty rum. I mean, I bought beans and rice because I'm Hispanic, and obviously, but, like, um, he was like, did you buy anything with nutritional value? And I was like, I'm sorry, but, like, Katniss in the Hunger Games, like, indulges before the war. And, um, and so I'm a little ashamed of, um, the amount of shitty, shitty food that, um, I stocked up on to survive for a month. Um, but here we are and I'm going to enjoy it. I also have a lot of wine, um, a lot of wine. Um, and I have been, I haven't done happy hours because I prefer to drink alone. Uh, <laughs> but my family wow. this weekend hosted a zoom talent show zoom talent show those are not words i thought i would utter two months ago what was jp's talent he he played jason ross's i'm yours on the ukulele and killed it he didn't tie a bow with his tongue via a maraschino cherry no john no, that is what my cousin Mono did. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it was really cute because it was like family members from Pueblos in Colombia all the way to LA and like um, nieces and nephews performing, uh, cousins and, and stuff like playing music. Uh, my uncle read a poem and like, it was just really sweet. And um, as much as with uh, Westworld, we kind of tackle the the horror that is our technological advances. I'm not going to fuck around and not say I'm like super grateful for the fact that I'm going through this right now and when we have all this technology available and not in 1918, which is when my niece thinks that I was alive and living through the Spanish flu. So I'm um, very, very thankful for, for Zoom and WhatsApp and all the apps that are keeping us all kind of connected. Um, very Speaking exciting. I mean, staying connected. I mean, my friend caught her husband uh, Zoom calling his mistress. I mean, what a time to be alive! What a Honestly. time to be alive! What and a time to be alive! Defining what it means to be alive. Shall we get into the episode? Let's do it. What an episode, Marcy! Holy macaroni! 
You're so Wisconsin. Yes. Holy macaroni. Uh, this episode is titled the mother of exiles. Um, and I, like I, I, I have a lot of things to say. Mostly I was right. Um, but, um, what an episode, (laughs) uh, because we're we're inching up to the halfway point of the season um i think we 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 are starting to get like i said some of those tidbits that we've been wondering all all season so far and um we're kind of going out of order this this episode just because we want to talk through some of the major things that happened. Um, we always assume that you've seen the episode. Sometimes we walk you through the episode. Sometimes we just do what the fuck worked and what didn't, um, depending on how we feel about the episode. So yep. let's talk, John, about one of one of TV's biggest reveals of the year. Oh my goodness gracious! So um, so far this season. I think one of the biggest questions that we've been talking about, and obviously we talked about in the last episode, is who were these other pearls that Dolores took from Westworld? We've been pondering and wondering and thinking deeply into our souls about who these people are. And we thought we knew yesterday or last week, maybe yesterday. And, you know, we finally get it answered. It's a beautiful reveal at the end of the episode. Um, but we find out that those pearls are Dolores, 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 Dolores and we were wrong. <laughs> I mean, technically, you were wrong. Uh, uh, we were both wrong on this one because we both thought it was Teddy, maybe. N- so, no, John. <laughs> I was wrong in the sense that I didn't see my train of thought all the way through. So I last week said that because I had rewatched so many episodes, um, while I thought Teddy was a possibility, Clementine, Peter Abernathy, um, I said that what I was leaning towards because of how all those uh, characters had ended at the end of season two was that we might have been looking at Wyatt. Dolores, right? Like a different version of Dolores, like a separation Dolores. Um, And I think part of my gut instinct with that is, and we talked about this last week, Dolores wasn't sentimental with anyone in Westworld. The closest we got was Teddy and she literally couldn't fucking stand him by the end of season two. So the like, the talking to of um Dolores with Charlotte in last week's episode for me read with a type of intimacy and care that I just could not place with Dolores showing it to anyone um including Arnold right um who who I I would say is is you know another character that we might have seen some tenderness towards and yet when I look at it from like a feminist fairy tale and, and what the show has been doing so far, of course, Dolores didn't trust anyone because any woman worth her salt knows that like the best way to get something done is to do it yourself. Amen. Yourself, 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 yourself. I just am now rethinking that scene where she's like in bed with Charlotte and I'm like, is that how I talk to myself in the mirror? Like, is that what I would do with like a clone replica of myself? Like, like would you, know, I, you are precious would I to me. Mugs myself? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, it, it's, it's interesting because I think one of the themes that it's kind of touching on is um, how we care for ourselves. Like, in, in moments of, of stress, trauma, um, and whatnot. And so that explains the like, yo, we will get through this, like pull yourself, like the pull yourself together, the bootstrappy language, the like, I trust you because no one knows me better than you. I know you better than me. Like that whole exchange makes a lot of sense. Now, where I think this is going to go is a a kind of discussion that I know that you love, which is a nature versus nurture discussion on who we are. So the pearls are all exactly the same the moment that they land inside the hosts, right? Mm -hmm. But from the second those hosts start living, as Dolores out in the world, those pearls are no longer the same. 
Yeah. Uh, they are changed by their experiences. They are changed by um, the relationships that they build. Um, so Dolores is changed five times over. And I think what we're going to see is what that looks like. And I think that that was foreshadowed in the last episode when I don't even know what we're going to call them because we had Bernarnold, but like now we have like Charlotte Dolores. So, so Charlotte Dolores, when she kept watching that video of Charlotte Hill saying goodbye to her son, right. And singing, you are my sunshine. That Dolores is no longer the same as the Dolores that sent her like to kill the mole, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I'm very interested to see how this develops. I don't think that they, obviously they are not because we know that Charlotte Dolores was self-harming. They are not synced together. It's not five Dolores is acting in sync. That is not actually possible. There's so, one HBIC Dolores. There is the one HBIC Dolores, um, but Dolores one, two, three, four, five are completely different beings at this point. And um, I think maybe they're even like different Doloreses at different times in the storylines that we've come to know. Maybe like the Charlotte Dolores seems like a very season one, like be episodes one through three Dolores, where she's still very naive and trying to figure it all out. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're right. Like if she picked up, um, and and we don't know a lot about, I think there's only one Pearl that we knew of up until this moment because Ciroc last episode, obviously Maeve's Pearl was worth gold, right? It couldn't just be replicated. So um, so I, I don't know if she, I think the Dolores Pearls that Dolores takes out are her in that final moment. Um, but you might be right. She might have picked up Dolores when she was going through the maze and Dolores when she still loved Teddy and Dolores, like, we don't know. Um, but I'm going to guess that there was a baseline Dolores that was copied right at the end of season two, which is um, what happens. Yeah. So. so where do we go next? My boo, William. Yo, boo. <laughs> my boo, William. Not really my boo, but. Um, um, he's no going through what we're all going through right now. Well, and you know, I love a man in black who um, hates himself. So that's like really my type. Um, that's my type. <laughs> I see that. Uh, so we see him. Uh, he's holed up in the house where his wife died, um, which explains why he doesn't go near the bathroom. Granted, most of us aren't showering on a daily basis right now. So what up? What up, William? I feel you. Um he's drinking a lot he's definitely having kind of like psychotic breaks um but i don't know how to read them because when we see dolores in episode one we see that virtual reality has created um to a certain extent an a not reliable narrator for reality um so he could have be having um some type of psychotic break with visions he could also be tortured uh, in this moment with, um, like virtual projections. Um, and I don't think we, by the end of the episode, figure out exactly what's going on with William. Um, but here's the thing, William doesn't figure out what's going on with William. Um, <laughs> if we're lost, he's lost. Yeah. Like he's definitely not doing well, but he does keep seeing his daughter, Emily, um, who you're, you're obsessed with. I'm obsessed with uh, the actress that plays Emily uh, Katja Herbers. Um, I'm I am obsessed with her show on CBS called Evil. So if you're all looking for something to watch during these crazy times, it's fabulous. It's on the CBS app. It's um, really bingeable. Um, it's not like super scary, um, and it's done by the same creators of The Good Fight and The Good Wife, which I'm currently rewatching. So I highly recommend it. There's something about her voice that just like lures me in like i'm like oh yeah like i'm here for it She's it's gonna... really sexy it, it just i mean it's definitely um there's some yeah she's got like this like it thing um fuck direct tv in the south which has been fighting with cbs for so long um we have no access to it just done so with the cbs app and it's still blocked here so that totally sucks but um i know how to torrent so i'll find it um so then enter Charlotte, 
um, who has been sent by Dolores, and we'll just keep, we'll keep referring to them as the character that they're, they're embodying the, the host body because I think um, you know Bernard just works, but it's very difficult to work Dolores into all these names. Um, so Charlotte goes to see William because um, he's the final vote, right? In um, whether or not Delos is taken over by Ciroc and his company. Um, but then walk us through kind of like what happens with William. So basically, um, we see a different type of Charlotte, obviously, than the episode that we broke down last week. And um, she needs these votes. And she knows that a stable, put-together um, William um, will help make sure that the votes swing her way so that way they can take Delos private um, and prevent Ciroc. So... Um, William continues to kind of go through this like crazy mental breakdown, right? Um, it's it's really interesting to watch because he keeps having what we think is psychotic breaks, but are they? Are they visions there that are just put there to kind of torment him? Um, back when we're inside the home and going back and rewatching the show, which Marcy and I do multiple times before we record, there's this amazing clue that you kind of get um, in the season uh, that takes us back to season one. Um, it's when Charlotte comes back to William as they're kind of getting him and he's getting ready for the board meeting. And he says that funny line, like, you know, you can do this in the bathroom. And she, and he's like, I don't go in there. <laughs> right, right. And um, essentially. That's me, that's me with churches. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can same, do it. Same. It's me when I try to watch Glitter starring Mariah Carey. <laughs> Um, and so basically what it is, is if you remember the first season, uh, there, uh, Dolores has this shaving scene with William and we didn't see it yet, uh, because the reveal didn't happen, but then Charlotte does an identical shaving scene with him. And so it's a really good kudos to like all of us watchers who like look for those Easter eggs. Like there's a lot of Easter eggs in this show. We talked about what we call our like mirror shots. Um, those never happen by accident. Um, the the uh, the folks who do the um, the show kind of like cinematography and staging those are very deliberate things. So um, that that is such a, a nod to obviously the Dolores um, reveal comes later. We just talked about it early, but. Um, it, it, for folks watching, if you've been paying attention, that should have been a like very strange, like I've seen this before on the show. Yeah. And so uh, they get done and he's ready to go out. Um, and right when William is ready to leave the house and he's still haunted by his daughter who he killed um, to go and basically help save Delos. Uh, we realize that he's been playing right into Charlotte's hand because he's about to have a mental breakdown because, you know, he doesn't know if he's actually seeing his daughter or really what's going on. And Charlotte uses this to her advantage. Um, well, and because and she, she clues, she brings him in. Right. So like she, she does all of this like care and, 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 and acting of like, you know, I'm Charlotte and then starts to very slowly transition to like, come on, William, like you and I know each other. And like kind of this dialogue that um, he suddenly realizes like the fuck you're Charlotte, you're Dolores. Like, because honestly, of all the people who knew Dolores well, William is really high up there, right? I mean, like up there really with Ford and park. Bernard and Arnold. And Arnold. I mean, he never left the park. I mean, that's the reason why he And he a... loved torturing her. And he loved torturing Dolores. So she has a very special relationship with him. But you see the reasons why Dolores copied herself because there are certain missions, you know, in quotes, that she can only rely on herself to complete. And this is one of them. William is on her list. Much like Arya's list, William is on Dolores's list. And she ain't letting anyone else in on that. And by kind of poking the bear, like helping pour kind of like metaphorical gas onto his fire of a mental breakdown, um, and then basically having two witnesses there to witness his 
final break um, allows Charlotte to have this reveal with him in many ways, but then for her to also then seize control over his shares because he's being committed to a mental health facility. Um, and now Dolores, AKA Charlotte has his voting control and can allow um, Delos to go private and kind of stop Ciroc. And it's just, it just kind of vies into the ways in which we continue to think about how, um, you know, what we're doing with everything that's going on in the episode. Yeah, we we now know that um, Charloris, Charlotte, has voting control um, and has tw- has pretty much taken control as interim CEO now of um, Delos and and put away William uh for good, and I'm going to use for good dot, 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 because this is not the last we see of William. Also, we still don't know what William is. So, John, now that Charlotte has solidified that she's got the power, talk to me about the TV show's new power couple. Well, she's on the hunt with her new manses, Caleb. I mean, there's definitely, like, an amazing chemistry between them, right? I don't think so, but I'm oh. not very good. Like, <laughs> I'm not very good at gauging chemistry between people. Um, <laughs> I suck at love. I mean, I love my husband, and like, but like, I am not good at um, reading sexual chemistry between people. Um, so I don't. I don't feel it. What I feel is, and maybe this is my trauma coming through. I feel a bit of a like godly worship towards her. Like, almost like, a, you know, here's a cult leader and her first follower. That's kind of how I read it. But I will also admit that I don't understand anyone who sees Evan Rachel Wood slash Dolores and doesn't fall madly in love with her. So I mean, obviously. Obvs. Yeah, so basically, Caleb and Dolores are our new power couple. Um, and they're on the hunt for her, her old ex, Liam. Uh, and how is she getting Liam, um, our, our Mark Zuckerberg, right? The, our Mark Zuckerberg the of the side. show. Yeah. <laughs> she, I, I'm just like, always kind of like Liam just does not. Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> Liam should have known something was up because someone like Dolores is not going to pay attention to Liam. He is so boring, so boring, so basic. Of course, he's at a party where they are selling women for charity. And men. Like, I'm just, oh. It's a gender fluid, sexually fluid host sex bondage party, it looks like. It, I mean, it, it was, I, it reminded me of um, Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. Yes. Which is a, a movie I love. I know people hate it, but I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's awful, but we'll go back from that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but how is she able, um, just give us a little recap of her working with the Sean Connery of Westworld. How is she able to get so close to Liam? So Connell's is her. Uh, Dolores is her. So <laughs> she's been working Liam from the front and the back. She's got it on lockdown, right? Um, and technically this is how Bernard figures it out because Bernard and Stubbs who are on this buddy cop adventure, um, when they realize that Liam, because Bernard's first assumption as they are starting to all intersect during these like um, back-to-back scenes is that the most logical way to infiltrate insight would be to to kill Mark Zuckerberg, Liam, and insert a pearl inside of Liam. Um, But then very quickly, Liam shows that he is 100% a human because he's useless. And um, Connells, the security agent comes out and um, Bernard is like, oh, okay. And then they start interacting. um, And when they start interacting, um, that is when the light bulb clicks for Bernard, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but we do get before this this 
interaction, like an amazing fight scene in this Eyes Wide Shut party. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, it was I incredibly mean, choreographed. Yeah, I mean, you know what we always know. I mean, we have our favorite buddy cop duo, uh, Stubbs and Bernard. You know, coming face to face with basically Caleb and Dolores. Can we just call them BS? Because yeah, we have BS <laughs> meeting uh, meeting uh, CD basically. Uh, and, um, you know, in understanding the ways in which Dolores has just been playing the game this whole time, and she uses Caleb to basically take all of the money out of Liam's accounts um, by infiltrating Connell's a security agent to get access to his like host code or something like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember what they call it. Um, that allows you to like make, it's kind of like your touch ID or your face ID for your iPhone that you take everywhere, um, which is scary because it's actually still or being put in use now. Um, right. And so she's able to pull off a bank heist, go to this place where she knows Liam's going to be because she's tracking him and she's going to get Liam and BS and uh, Caleb and Dolores all meet up. And they have an epic fight scene. And you see two hosts. Caleb um, uh, runs off with Liam after they're trying to kidnap him. Um, And you see two hosts, Stubbs and Dolores, fight. And one thing that I thought was something super fascinating was, is anyone able to stop Dolores? Because she, although takes a few hits from Stubbs, she kind of serves him his ass on a platter. Yeah, uh, we talked about this last week that like, I'm not sure if Dolores has acquired some new skills. Um, But then thinking about it, I'm wondering if what I thought were directive skills that like the ones Maeve have, if it was just her telling herself like, go do this. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't, I think Dolores is stoppable. Um, I think that we are... This happens a lot with shows where, um, you know, we ran into this with Game of Thrones and Daenerys with like three dragons. I mean, is she stoppable? No, not really. Until Um, bad writing comes in because we will never, ever ever forgive them for what they did. How dare you? I mean, she (laughs) lost two dragons. Two. Um, What the so yeah, no, I don't know if she's, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I, that is something I struggle with when writers write themselves into a box where a person is no longer vulnerable. So um, yeah, yeah. So um, like I said, uh, we have Bernard, Caleb, and Stubbs have that interaction where Bernard's like, this is a human. Then he realizes Connell's is is a host. Then he realizes Connell's is Dolores. Yeah. Um, and this reminded you, this interaction reminded you of what? One of your favorite shows? Oh, my God. There is, there is so much here to break down when we kind of finally realize um, who is who and who's been who all along. But, you know, when Bernard and Caleb are there and Connell's kind of like, takes all the people out and everything comes to be and Caleb's able to run away with Liam um, and take him to his ultimate maker. I love it because it reminded me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two when Angel lost his soul and to all those Buffy fans out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, when Angel says to Buffy, hello lover. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, it definitely mirrors that. Uh, so what happens next? We we move on. We move on. And Marcy, Paris is always a good idea. I was in Paris two years ago today. And <laughs> Facebook reminded me. And I was like, fuck you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, um, we see Maeve having... And again, these scenes are all happening really quickly because this is all moving towards the big reveal with Dolores. Um, Maeve uh, is at a bar with Ciroc. Um, and she, she's very flirtatious, um, in general. And I I think that's, that was part of her programming. Um, but she's like, the least you could have done is taken me to Paris. And Ciroc, uh, lets Maeve in on the painful truth that Paris was destroyed by a thermonuclear bomb and is no longer there. Uh, so, so that is, 
that is world building done very, very astute, like very well, because Ciroc had said he was trying to build a different future. And for viewers, we're like, well, you, you don't have the right to do that as a human. But when he lays the seed of like, Paris, <laughs> Paris is gone, man. Like, that's gone. Like, and he acts it really powerfully because you can see um, how painful it is for him. There's to talk this about. flashback of like him and his brother looking at a burning uh, Paris. And, and who's his brother? I, I okay, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to go out on a limb that I think Ciroc may be Ford's brother. Uh, because of that flashback and what that little kid looks like, I need to rewatch the um, the episodes where we go to Ford's house and we see um, his parents and his brother. And I, I want to double check it. Um, if so, that's listen- incredible. For anyone listening, also, I know a lot of folks... Um, so we don't get screeners because we, we baby podcasters, even though we do have a, a really... Uh, like a, a a large following and like um and everything but we don't get screeners so like we are as in the dark as you are so um so nothing that we we say if it actually happens is true and half the time we miss so it's mostly john not me but we miss oh. <laughs> i'm kidding uh just it's slightly. true <laughs> but um by laying down and world building this this apocalyptic world where something went wrong it helps to bring Maeve along um, to kind of understand why Ciroc um, and the system Roabom need to take Dolores out, right? Yeah. And what he offers is her daughter in return. In uh, Robot Heaven. In Robot Heaven, which the only Robot Heaven I want to be a part of is the San Junipero black mirror episode where you just get to plug in to whatever place you want for uh, that episode is incredible i forgot incredible. all about that but speaking of incredible then we get some amazing scenes with my homegirl Maeve. talk me through them since i know we're on different teams right now we are your team dolores who i still stand love you evan rachel wood if you're listening but um Tandy Newton as Maeve. I mean, I've always been obsessed with her. And we kind of get the the Maeve back that we loved from season two, a little bit of season, you know, this last season as well, when she kind of gets her mojo back. Um, but she's basically on a mission. He's like, go take down Dolores. And for your payment, for your help, you get your daughter back. So she does what any good host with extraordinary powers does, is she goes and tries to find the Yakuza, who she ultimately gets to, um, and goes into the Singapore criminal underworld to track Dolores's past because she's working you know five steps behind her um she catches up a little bit and so while Maeve is doing her like little detective work and living her like literal best neo matrix life um she makes it to who Dolores was always in communication with and that's the Yakuza um and shout out to all of our man in the high castle watchers I have to finish the last season. Don't tell me what happens, but they are in that show. So it totally gave me a flashback of them because they're a very powerful body in this world. And so it only makes sense that Dolores would go to them to try to infiltrate, right? Um, And this is where it's really fascinating where we have to watch these Easter eggs, right? So from Ford's brother, to the ways in which this, the shaving scene with William um, comes as Dolores goes to Yakuza HQ and it's inside um, a distillery called, and I'm going to butcher this, Itodoshin Distillery, or um, in Buddhism, it's Itai Doshin. Um, and in Buddhism, what that means is to be of the same mind, even though we are in mini in body. Uh, so hello, big reveal. Huge shout out to Dolores being Dolores. Yes, yeah, huge shout out to Dolores being Dolores and huge shout out to where in the episode and how it's all placed together with these little vignettes, which I still think is a way in which they're shooting them beautifully. Um, we finally get the reveal that all these hosts that we think are other people are actually Dolores. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then really what, in what becomes this like really beautiful review of Charlotte and William, Bernard and Connell's, we see, you know, Dolores's grand plan and where she's going there. And like Marcy said, if you want something done, 
right. You got to do it yourself. And so, um, all and I again, said, we end up, uh, and again, we're inching towards the, the, is this the middle of the season or is next week? Next week should be the middle of the season, I believe. Okay. Um, but either way, we are still seeing the May versus Dolores um, showdown. I will say that because that is so obvious, my guess is that is not actually where we're going. Yeah, uh, I think it's too obvious. I do too. Um, but Maeve figuring out um, that um, Mushashi is Dolores, um, I thought was really well done. I will say I was very confused by him so he bends down to pretty much pull her pearl out and then his people come in and they're like we got to go now and um dolores slash mushashi is like all right let's go there is nothing from a uh, narrative standpoint that makes sense that dolores would have left mave's host there unless again for the same reason that for some reason she brought back Bernard, there's a bigger story happening with the host that we are not aware of. There is some reveal that's coming. Because it makes no sense. If, if the fight is Dolores and Maeve, you had the chance to take Maeve out entirely. Yeah. You, or, just, you just step on the, on the, there is no bringing back the pearl once it's destroyed. Yeah. Um, so, so that did not make sense to me, but makes me excited about what we don't know. Yeah, and we don't know a lot because this show is a box and a box and another box. I know. It, it's it's like my feelings. Yeah, I mean, it's all of our feelings right now. But basically, <laughs> you know, they get into that little fight and Maeve is injured. You know, she gets stabbed with a sword. Um, and then, as Marcy said, right before he's about to take the pearl, um, he leaves and then Ciroc's people kind of come in and to rescue Maeve. And uh much like everyone else uh who you know we're trying to figure out uh wanting more we are all still now looking and wondering at our family members if they too are just all copies of dolores i'm very excited about where we're going very excited i can't End wait for the next episode. week's episode um and to break it down and to make predictions halfway through which is something we do for almost every show halfway through we're like all right let's do this it was an incredible episode because I think we get, they gave us these tidbits and I think the show fell on some problems the last time because you had to follow it along all the way to the end until you got all these reveals all at once. And you're like, it's just too much to like handle. Right. And what I think they're maybe more purposefully doing now is saying, here are the bigger nuggets that are going to take you to the ultimate like end game of which you will find out with is X at this point right it's just a lot better writing it's better writing it's quality and our queen dolores who is every woman at the moment she is every woman um so i'll see you next week john i'll see you next week bye everyone 